okay, I think there must be seven or eight countries represented uh, among, among us that are here. Um, obviously the UK, but um, Romania, Austria, Poland, Lithuania, from Europe. I don't know whether anyone's on tonight from Italy. And uh, of course, those from Romania who've come on, Canada and the USA. And so we really are scattered. And of course, um, the Middle East as well. I won't mention the name of the country. Um, <clears throat> so it's a blessing. Um, some of you, we were together last week and we were in 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, I suppose, um, well, I want to go back again to 1 Corinthians 11. Um, it's quite interesting. This sort of thing doesn't happen to me too often, but uh, it was Sunday last week. Um, I went to bed. Well, my Usually I'm a late bird. And about four in the morning, um, I was suddenly awake. And it's as though the Lord whispered in my heart, um, you didn't say uh, all, you didn't talk about the glory. Um, you didn't, uh, there were things you didn't say. So I felt from that moment that I should return to the subject of male, female in the church. Um, some of you know that we've been doing these, um, Richard in um, Ohio, in Columbus, has been hosting these, um, what are for me midnight sessions, where we've been looking to a degree in the book of the Revelation. And uh, those of you who are going to come on next Saturday, um, just be warned, we'll be looking in the chapters 12 to 14 of the book of the Revelation, um, which is the dragon, the two beasts, and the whore, the false woman. The dragon, the two beasts, and the false woman, the whore. And one of the things, of course, that uh, I will be trying to show is how everything the devil does is a parody of the truth. So I just mentioned four. The dragon, that's the serpent, the devil. Two beasts, that's a parody of the sun, a parody of the Holy Spirit. And the whore, Babylon, who is a parody of the church, the bride of Christ. So you have this constant repetition in the scripture of how the wicked one seeks to replicate 
um, God, Father, Son, Spirit, and what God is doing with church, um, Bride of Christ. And uh, I've said enough there for some of you to do some very serious thinking um, about things. So, of course, there's glory, which is really shame. Everything, the beast, the kingdom, the beast builds is a kingdom of shame. Um, the economic system that is built up, the political system uh, that is built up, the whore, um, well, it's, it's full of shame, as you know. Gaudy, uh, glittering dress that fades away. Um, so by this roundabout route, uh, I'm wanting to 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 return to church as the Lord's bride, the bride of Christ. And you, you know, of course, that there must be breakthroughs. You, you know, you read your scripture, you read the history, you read about the people of God that were shut up in Egypt and you read about the time that was prophesied that it would come, but finally the time of breakthrough came. And the Lord released his people from the Babylon of the day uh, so that they could become his kingdom, his people, who would manifest his ways. They failed. Um they failed, didn't they? They failed immediately, really, even wandering in the wilderness as a result of their disobedience. And uh, when you ponder these things, all of that, you know, there was a wonderful breakthrough with the kingdom, wasn't there, with David, the king. And um, the kingdom came in 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 the, the land of promise, the, the kingdom city, the old Jerusalem was built up. Um, David, the city of David. Um, and of course, we know how the kingdom went wrong. You know, next king, Solomon, and after Solomon, division, everything schismatic again, divorce between the two or three tribes and the ten tribes. You know, um, it's amazing uh, when you sort of think of this. But all of this was part of the Lord's instructions. Oh, the arm of flesh, the energies of even the most dedicated uh, cannot accomplish which what God alone can accomplish. And, of course, uh, the prophets prophesied and there came the point of the breakthrough. And you may never have thought of the incarnation, the coming of the Lord Jesus, the word made flesh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, the light um, that prevailed in darkness. You may never have thought of this great incoming, this manifestation um, of God's heart in his son. So there into the open, there's this 
wonderful breakthrough that carries on 33 years, breakthrough into all the realms where darkness had been manifest, where the dragon had been manifesting himself, where the beasts, the beasts were around then, um, the Roman beast, that was its form then. And of course, those that generated worship, um, just like the Holy Spirit generates our hearts into worship. So the second beast generates and uh, in, endeavors to draw people to worship Rome in those days. And, of course, there was the whole system of Babylon, the whole economic uh, power and all the rest of it that was going on, the Roman form of the first beast, second beast, and the dragon. And you may never have thought about these things. And into this came the manifestation of the kingdom of God. Um, Look at me, uh, the kingdom's in the midst of you. Remember Jesus saying that? Um, you know, they said, where's the kingdom? When's it going to come? And he said, the kingdom's here. Just look. And so into manifestation comes um, the breakthrough. Uh, the breakthrough that changes everything. The breakthrough that um, where light penetrates every dimension of darkness uh, the final dimension of darkness of course was death wasn't it where the lord jesus entered into death at the point when he wanted to enter into death they didn't kill him that's the thing he chose and he went to the father <clears throat> and into the grave and so light penetrated into every realm of darkness and uh, we know the third day that the lord jesus was raised and uh, raised from his sleep um the sleep of death and the third day and you can all remember that when adam the first man was raised from his sleep uh, you can remember that there was a new manifestation of the wisdom and the wonderful ways of God. Someone like unto him, but someone different to him. Uh, she was called woman. He called her woman because she's taken out of man. And uh, she was taken out of his side by God and brought to him and he instantaneously recognized that she was different from every other creature that had been brought to him by god to name an instantaneous discernment an instantaneous knowledge this uh, at last is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone and thus the manifestation of what was in Adam was now manifested not only in Adam, but in his wife, this woman, 
she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And and then, as you know, that was chapter two of Genesis. And God had spoken in chapter one, verse 26, and said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Notice the plural all the way through that. The plural, the plural, the plural. Does this mean then that uh, Jesus is being the image of God is incomplete without his bride? the church that's a question for you to reflect upon that the great breakthrough into life into the darkness that took place the word becoming flesh and if i may say this to us all one of the things that i have recognized as being incomplete in so much mission work through the decades through the the times, the countries that I've been, the mission compounds that I've stayed on in India, in African countries, in other places, I've so realized that the true breakthroughs in the spirit come when the word becomes flesh. So if the word is not flesh, as it say was in Amy Carmichael, there'll be no breakthrough. If it's just a preacher, or if it's just a band going and playing gospel songs, if it's, if it's simply something going on like that, there'll be no spiritual breakthrough. Um, the living Christ, the thing about Eve or woman, she only became Eve after she begot her firstborn child. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't. He, Adam called her Eve, which means mother of all living, which is an interesting thing. Eve means mother of all living. Adam named her that after she had been the channel through which something had been begotten. And Adam knew that something had been begotten from the serpent mm -hmm. through the woman and he had allowed it and failed to protect his wife. And he recognized that something had been mothered into the world. Some sort of energy was now at work in him. Something uh, of a wickedness was uh, working in her, something that they had not had in them when they came from God's hand. Very important that we grasp this because this that the enemy has done, Jesus came to destroy. Jesus came to reverse it. Jesus came to bring, instead of shame and leafy fig leaf coverings, he came to clothe the inner man of us with righteousness, with glory, so that our lives were filled um, with glory. The glory, the image of Christ. And isn't it a wonderful thing? I don't know whether you've thought of this, 
but how when God made Adam in the garden of the dust of the ground and formed him, he breathed into his nostrils. There is no record of any breathing into the woman. It's almost as though the life was in the blood when he made the woman same breath, same blood, same life, um, just the same life in another form. Um, have I said enough to make you begin to contemplate things? You see, it's not enough for the gospel that we preach to to simply be about believing in Jesus and going to heaven uh, and being with him forever and ever. The gospel is all about us having a new spirit and a new heart. His spirit. His spirit. That's why when you come into the New Testament, you find uh, in, for instance, um, Ephesians chapter 5, he, he will preface everything he says to male, female with be being filled with the Spirit. And he's already, that's chapter 5, and he will preface that by mentioning that there's one body and there's one Spirit. And there's one Lord, and it's all in, cha it's in chapter 4. So that um, if there's going to be a spiritual breakthrough, the bride, the church, must be taking its life and its breath from Christ, her, the Lord of the church. So with these things in mind, a little bit at least, um, and I know it's a lot to kind of take in. One of the things Hazel says to me, that you assume that people are reading and thinking like you do. I don't know how many, many hours was it? David Pawson said uh, something like in one of his messages some of you, he passed away, I think it was early last year. And uh, he, he was a very good man. And uh, he said, for every five minutes I speak to you, it represents an hour that I've spent in the last week. And then that hour that I've spent in the last week represents weeks of thought in my lifetime. That's what he said. And I know that there's truth, very, very much truth in that. Um, some of us might speak spontaneously and be just open to the spirit, but that doesn't mean to say a shower just comes pouring on the roof and runs down the uh, eaves trough if you're in Canada or the gutter and down the drain pipe if you're in England. Um, you, you understand what I'm saying. And, um, you know, Hazel complains at me. You assume that people 
of thinking. And this is why we need to listen again and again and read again and again and be people of the scripture so that the spirit of revelation can open our understandings. Um, And, you know, so if I read chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians again, just those verses, because before he gets into the church gathering for its meetings, um, he just wants to reestablish or did he talk to them about these things when he was there? Probably. You know, he wants to establish the complementarity of the male and the female together, the man and the woman together. Um, you may not be aware that in the United States today, There are documents where some churches will affirm that they are complementarian. What does that mean? It means that they regard male and female as utterly equal but different. And they believe that to be the scriptural position which I have no doubt about at all. And there will be other churches who will say we are egalitarian. That is, everything uh, is utterly equal. Women can do, be pastors and this and that and the other. Um and so on. And there's been a squabble going on for 30 years over this. And there are books that are written. But when you get back to reflecting upon the beauties of the relationships in the Godhead, you will become aware that God is utterly three persons who are equal. No doubt about it, but different in their roles, in the work they do. The the son is not the father, and the father is not the son, and the spirit is not the son or the father. He's the spirit of the father and the son. And, you know, their glory, the glory the delight of the Father in the Son. You only have to begin to read, oh, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, let these things, you know, fill your heart with delight. Um, I know that in this kingdom of darkness in which we live, You know, the prince of this world, this wicked one. I know that he's distorted everything. I know that. And that distortion is is becoming so unbelievably objectionable, uh, not necessarily simply to God's true people, um, but to others as well. They sense the shame 
of what's being peddled and the propaganda and the distortions and the imbalance. Those of us who live in the United Kingdom get sick and tired of these bossy detective women who lead the investigations on some mystery or other and treat their men especially like a load of dirt. Um, I'm sure you've got some of those kind of things over there in the US and Canada as well. Um, everything's distorted. Don't be taught by this world. Let's Let's come to God. Let's dwell in his life. Let's let his spirit uh, counsel our hearts. Let's allow him to rise up within us. Um, you know, this is a vital thing for us to grasp. There's only one true preacher in the new covenant. There's only one minister. There's only one prophet and uh, like there's only one seed. And of course, it's the Lord Jesus and Jesus in us. And he wants to speak through his varied gifts and he wants to heal through his varied gifts. And he wants to touch through his various touches. That's what you get to in chapter 12 and 14. It is Jesus Touching, healing, speaking, loving through his body. That's, that's what, where you get to in those, in those chapters where his apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and whatever, you know, it's not complete lists. His, his helps, his you know, you put lists together. We will do it in the next couple of weeks and see that there's at least 26 gifts of the spirit, not nine. And you'll find there's at least 10 ministries, not five. You know, people get fixed on one list. It's vast. It's vast. And, and it's really his body and Jesus living in his body, reaching out and touching and healing and and loving and uh, it's wonderful um, when we begin to see things in this kind of way so let's let's just read scripture um, chapter 11 verse 2 this is 1 Corinthians now I praise you brethren that you remember me in all things And keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonours his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonours her head. 
for that is one and the same as if her head was shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonour to him? But if a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her. For her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, We have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Now, I've just read 16 verses, which some of you will know have been discussed, argued over, opinions given, what does Paul mean? There's all kinds of arguments And I don't want to get in because I've been into churches where the ladies cover their heads as a symbol and their hearts are rebellious. (laughs) And uh, they're disrespectful and they dishonor and they argue and they bicker. And I think of other places that I've been when, where ladies do not cover their heads and yet their hearts are so respectful, so gracious, so meek, um, so wonderful. And so I don't want to get stuck on the external sign I will say this one thing, and I repeat it from last week. To me, in the scripture, the thing that is most dramatic, as far as the external is concerned, is Paul's exhortation for a man to pray to God 
with his head uncovered. You realize, and he tells us why, because a man's head, that is the physical head, represents his head, which is Christ. And in the church, you just don't want to have Christ covered, do you? And if you want to, um, if you want to say to the angels and to other people and to one another, oh, we do want Christ to be glorified here. I think of when we lived in Australia and uh, they were precious years for us. And the Lord raised up a church there. And of course, in Australia, it's hot. And sometimes it's probably about 37 degrees at the moment in Perth, where we were. And wonderful sun, lots of sun. And the men would walk to the meetings with their hats on. Sometimes baseball caps, sometimes a cobra's um, like Stetsons in America. And uh, we had hooks in the church that were just for hats because the men wouldn't go into the meeting. They'd take their hat off. No one asked them to. They just did it. And so came into the Lord's presence. I well remember a man who was quite sick but wanted to come to the meetings. And it was as near to winter as we ever had in Australia. And he actually asked permission if he could sit there with his um, woolly hat on in the meeting. Um, I always remember that. And uh, we really want to see the glory of God seen. And I'll just make one other comment. Um, you know, I when it says... The, a woman's hair is um, is glorious. It's very glorious. Um, that's quite a a wonderful thing when you look at all these ads nowadays of all this flowing hair and all the rest of it. But I can remember again. Um, I came across to the United Kingdom from Australia. And uh, I didn't know it, but a certain lady was deputed to meet me. Um, I guess she was about 40 or 45 at the time. And, um, well, she w I hadn't seen her for six or seven years. She was part of uh, the Fellowship Church in Reading. And, of course, you come out of the airport, you're dragging your bag along. And there's all these uh, people waiting, you know, you, you know, with the feeling, all this crowd of people waiting, 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 waiting for their friends or family to come through the doorways. And uh, this lady spotted me coming through the doorway. She must have been about 40 or 45 at the time. And she ran down where she shouldn't have ran with her hair flowing in the in the sort of air. Beautiful head of hair, brunette, and she gave me this big hug. But out of the corner of my eye, I could see all the sort of 100 or 150 people standing there just gazing at this hair. 
coming down. This glory, this glory, uh, the glory. And Paul says something there about the head of a woman. And he says, oh, it's glorious. The glory of man. And, and you don't want to say in the church, we just want man to be seen. We just want man to be seen. No, we want to say, no, we want Jesus, our head, to be seen. Let's cover the glory of man. Now, I'll just I'll say no more because of, you know, Paul mentions the word contention. And I, I don't want us to get stuck on the outward. I mean, I preached in churches in countries, you know, where... The men are on one side, the ladies are on the other, and the ladies have mantillas on. And ah, the Lord looketh on the heart. The Lord looketh on the heart. And how's our hearts? That's, that's the real question. Which is why I love this scripture, because of the way... Paul begins it with when he's taking us to, oh, man. So now just man, male, us, guys, your head is Christ. Are you doing what he says? Is he your Lord? It begins there. Just like in the garden of Eden. And you remember that by man sin came into the world. That's what Paul said, and he understood. Not by woman. You see, because man failed to guard. Man failed in his duty of love. Man failed to Reverence God and God's word in his heart first. Any man here who wants to bless ladies in your church and bless your wife and bless your daughters and bless your children, any man who wants to do that, let Christ be Lord in everything. Let Christ be Lord in your family and do the Lord's will. That's the way that uh, blessing will come, spill through the whole family. And Adam failed to do that, didn't he? he? He failed to allow the word of the Lord to reign in his heart. And he stood alongside his wife and he took of the fruit and did eat instead of um, examining with great care what this serpent was saying it's a little bit like the conspiracy theories that are flying around um i've i've had um probably half a dozen or eight Things come through to me today, exhorting me to look at this one, that one, and the other one. I'll tell you what I have done. 
with these kinds of things when they I do some real research. Who's talking? For instance, just a couple of weeks ago for the first time, one of the conspiracy theorists was sent to me and uh, immediately I sensed that he was um, occult. But I, I listened and watched a bit and then I did some digging around and research. And, uh, well, he's a false prophet. Jesus said there would be such around. Um, there will be false prophets, and that—that's it. He's—he's um, he's a psychic, and uh, when he talks about uh, having inside information on this, that, and the other, I'll tell you where he gets it from demons. And that particular man has six thousand, six hundred thousand subscribers. On the net. Be careful. Be careful. Um, you know, we must let the Lord speak to us. But anyway, let's let's go over into Ephesians five, um, because you know you'd expect to go here, wouldn't you, when you think about male, female, and you you will notice how. Paul has been uh, writing in chapter 4 about the mind um, and he says in verse 15 of chapter 5 he encourages us to wake up and come into light and, and in verse 15 he says see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And uh, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know that those verses ever so well. Um, do not be drunk with wine. You know, people get drunk with ideas as well. Um, but you notice Paul says that the result of getting drunk with anything is dissipation. The powers the powers become dissipated, the powers of the soul. But be filled with the spirit. Can you could you think of the opposition the opposite of dissipation? When things are you know, our powers are dissipated. Uh, the opposite would be concentration, wouldn't it? Concentration. Be filled with the spirit. The the wonderful work of the Spirit in the heart of a man and a woman is he concentrates their powers unto what? Well, psalm, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
making, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. For some reason, Paul mentions that because he well knew that one of the results of foolish drunkenness is people sing. <laughs> and uh, they sing a load of nonsense. <laughs> and uh, they, you know, but it, he knows, no, 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 you be filled with the Spirit. And the concentration that will result is that your heart will be unto the Lord and speaking to one another. And it will overflow this, this blessed state of immersion in the spirit. Um, I believe that one of the, th the things that's happening nowadays with the media, with these different sites that people are going into, they inflame the spirit in the wrong way. People are getting inflamed politically. They're be becoming inflamed. Um, you know, all kinds of ways. Anger is rising that is not godly anger. It's political anger and that kind of thing. And yet Paul says, now you be filled with the spirit and it'll make you sing and it'll make you thankful. That's verse 20, isn't it? The spirit immersion in the spirit did you notice how he talked about wisdom don't be unwise did you notice that understand what the will of the lord is don't 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 walk like you're fools verse 15 but walk circumspectly as wise um could i could i ask you uh, this question in the Old Testament, have you heard of someone called Lady Wisdom? Have you, have you heard of Lady Wisdom? Um, I'm sure you have. Um, you'll have read about her in the book of Proverbs, I'm sure, which is a book, of course, that is all about being a fool or being wise. Um, Basically, that's what it's all about. And um, it's interesting how in his great desire, you know, Jesus is made unto his bride wisdom. Remember that? Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, he's made unto us wisdom. Do you remember the four things? We touched on them in one of the early meetings. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus is made unto us. Notice the first one. Because you won't come to a life um, of righteousness, sanctification, and redemption except through the first one. You, you, you and I have got to become wise. And he's made unto us wisdom, which means that part of the wonderful role of the church, the bride of Christ, is to be a manifestation of the wisdom of God 
in the earth. Imagine now, translate that into married life. Imagine the discordant households up and down your street where the role of man and woman are distorted, husband and wife are confused. Imagine the foolishness of the grasping after, you know, in Devon and Cornwall at the moment, the lady commissioner of the police is, uh, what do they use it, photo recognition of cars and beginning to prof to um, order the police force. So a police car drives past you and uh, they register your number plate. And if you've been on the road too much, they begin to inquire and they can issue you with a fine. Where were you going? What were you doing? Um, helicopters in the sky over Exeter today for a couple or three hours, in fact, just cruising around. Do you know what they call this lady commissioner? They call her the Tsar. The Tsar. She's a Tarja. Do you know the word Tarja? One of those ladies who has lusted for power. I have the right. Whereas, of course, the church is meant to be Lady Wisdom, manifestation, who whose husband, Jesus, is being made unto her wisdom. I mean, do, do I want to be taught of the Lord? Do I want to become wise? Do I want to be filled with his spirit? Because it's one thing to be made wise. It's another thing to be filled with the spirit of wisdom so that I can be a member of the breakthrough generation that manifest the wisdom of God. No wonder the real church is such an offense in a wicked world. You know, no wonder, for instance, if, if it, it, it's, it's quite something for you to ponder upon, um, you know, to teach our children in wisdom, you know, so that they're not propagandized by the, by the philosophies and coming out of universities, you know, through godless professors. Uh, manipulating the minds of the young through their student teachers. Um, these are the things. Uh, walk circumspectly. Perhaps you'd never thought that the church was meant to be lady wisdom, manifestation, along with her husband, Jesus, of wisdom in the earth, the wise ways of God, so that a godly family in the street is a place of peace. It's a, an oasis of understanding. How often as I've conducted marriages, I've found myself really praying and I wish I could say that the Lord had always heard because some of the people they weren't like this, but praying, oh, Lord, make the house of this couple an oasis in a desert world. 
Oh, Lord, make it, make them an oasis. <laughs> you know, place of ripe figs and um, palms and, you know, water running through. And any anyone here been in the desert? Hazel and I have been in several deserts, uh, the Australian deserts, and, and we've been in uh, Sahara. And uh, it's wonderful to find an oasis and know there's one ahead, <laughs> that there's going to be water there. And, you know, this is the calling of the church. D- doesn't it make you long to be wise? Does it uh, say, oh, Lord, yes, let the spirit of your wisdom work in me. Don't want to be drunk. I want to, I want to speak and exhort and Give thanks, verse 20. And then Paul gets on to this word, doesn't he? Submitting to one another in the reverence of God. Submitting before he will get to male and female. He's right in here. I, I wish I didn't have to go on. I really do. Oh, Lord, I want a drink of your spirit. I want to drink of your spirit that is a submissive spirit where I'm attentive to to everyone. So we were in a meeting this morning and there were 17 of us in the meeting. So my wife tells me and she told me that 10 people spoke. 10 people contributed. I didn't know there was 10. I wasn't counting. But I tell you this, I was listening to all of them. I was listening to all of them. You know, submitting to one another. What's Brother Steve saying? What is that sister saying? Hearing, listening, submitting, an attitude of attentiveness where you're listening to the Lord, listening to one another, respecting one another. And I have to say to you, from the least to the greatest, you understand that in any company, that even of 17 people, there will be those that are least and those that are greatest even there. It's a little pond, a little pond. And so the great fish in the little pond will be a very little fish, perhaps in a bigger pond. But we're not worried about those things. But submitting to one another um, in the fear of the Lord. Um, Do you listen to one another? Do we hear one another? Do husbands listen to their wives? Do, and the answer is no sometimes in the world. Do we listen? Do we, do we seek to discern what spirit is speaking? Are we patient with one another? And, you know, Paul, it says this is fundamental to life in the church. The Corinthians were bickering. They weren't listening to one another. They weren't caring for one another. The rich were coming with all their parcel of sandwiches, you know, their cool boxes full of food, you know. And there were those who had nothing much. You were sitting in their corner 
You know, it's incredible how things, what a shame. What a, it was filled with shame. And then dear Paul, in these scriptures, he, he, he unfolds, submit, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's quite something, isn't it? You, you probably are aware of the image of God still remains in everyone. Acts 17, Paul preaching on Mars Hill. Do you know he actually calls people that they are the children of God? <laughs> he doesn't mean they're born again of the same spirit, but he says that ultimately it's God that gave you life. And he recognized that marred indeed, but still the image is there. You see, um, wives, verse 22 Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. If I was to simplify this right down, I, I, I notice how very simply Paul writes. And basically, he says to men this. One word, to men. To, to, to us men know what his one word to us is. You say, yes, I do. Do you? Verse 28. Love. Love your wives. He who loves his wife. If you want to enlarge it, men, love the younger sisters. Love the older sisters. Love in the family. That's where the male has his danger realm. Love. Lack of it. So in the Colossians letter, when Paul will say, and I'll, I'll just read it, there's no need to turn to it, but in the Colossians letter, he says something and adds it slightly. And he says, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter toward them, bitter toward them. What a strange thing to say, sour. The actual word is sour, sour. Men, this is where, where men's danger is, you see, but it's very, very simple. Um, lack of love means you don't cover your wife. You allow things to sour your relationship. This is where men fail. This is where elders fail. You do realize that, don't you? That eldership, in my experience, men become roughly divided into two. Those who achieve the position 
and exult in that position and they rule and rule and rule without love, without tenderness. And if someone disagrees with them, they get sour toward them. I'm sorry to say these things, but it's true. It's true. Now, where does the lady's word come in here? Where is the area of her difficulty? So you look here in the verse uh, 22. It's in the area of submission. Hupatasso. It's... It's a very interesting word, but it's not the only one he uses because you go down to 33 of the chapter 5. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. My version says, honours her husband. Some versions will say, reverences her husband. Both, they're different words. Different words, different words. And that's, so her problem's not in the realm of love. Her problem uh, is not in the realm of uh, care and that sort of thing. The husband's problem is the realm of loving and caring and getting soured by the difficulties of the day so that he he fails to grow in tenderness and an understanding and protection and <clears throat> the wife's issue generally <clears throat> something to do with not standing in that right order, trying to climb over. Some literally do it by pushing their husbands and they actually go out to choose a husband who is weak who they can rule over um, that other lovely word is about reverencing your husband you know these are these are realms and you can pr you probably know that when God spoke to the woman in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, he said to her that she would try and climb over her husband. I don't know whether you knew that's what it says in the Hebrew, because he'd wronged her. He'd wronged her. You realize that? Adam had wronged her. She'd wronged him. He wronged her. And this spirit entered into the world. You know, and you, you can see it, can't you? I'm sure you can. Um, you can see it on the movies. You can see it on the TV. You can see it in the advertisements. You can see the disrespect. You can see it in the youth of the day. You know, I still have visited countries where the grey head is so welcomed by those who are younger. But in this country, no. And even in the churches, the disrespect is so evident. The, the lack of reverencing one another, of honouring one another. And so 
we're touching things here. Christ loved the church. You know, in our love for our wives, husbands, men, in leadership in churches, in your love for the people and the ladies in particular, are we sanctifying, cleansing? Verse 26, you know, Christ sanctified and cleansed the church with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself. A glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. You know, haven't uh, I got to go away in all this as a man? Of course I have. Have I failed in it? Most definitely. Uh, Have I repented? Yes. Have I been seeking to learn and drink of his spirit so that I become a, a better minister, a better leader, a better husband, a better father? Yes, 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 to it all, you see. All to be like Jesus. You know, there's something very wonderful in what we're saying, isn't there? This compliment of a husband and wife. You know, one of the big things nowadays is team. Team. When we used to play basketball in Australia, we'd have our huddle in the timeouts, you know, and you'd put your hand on it all together. Team. And then you'd run back on the court and do your best. And um, <laughs> team, well, you know, uh, hallelujah, husband and wife, tremendous. And I go over into Peter. I, I like um, Peter's very lovely, isn't he, the way he writes. And he's been writing in chapter two of his first letter, and he's he's been talking about to servants and of course there it is again the bible is consistent Uh, verse 17 of chapter 2 honor all people love the brotherhood fear god honor the king and then he comes in by the way you notice the word honor again And perhaps I should make a comment about this. Servants, be submissive. There's that word, hupotasso. It means to stand in a place of order like an army does when they're on parade. And they're there, each in their place. And they're there underneath the... uh, brigadier or general or whoever it is you know but everyone in their place blessed order i wonder if anyone here marched a lot i had to march a lot in in my younger years and i i remember the delight of the orders and the marching we drilled in fours 
I remember if you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter, but we all had our place. And when we did right wheels and left wheels and we were in rank and so on and so on and so on, it was a wonder to behold and to be part of everything in its place. That's part of the meaning of the word. There's no demeaning in it. There's no demeaning. There's no crushing. There's, you see, this is where husbands and men must love. Love and um, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if, because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body, on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Uh, wonderful. Oh, oh, to be healed, brothers and sisters, from the reviling spirit that reviles, that argues, that complains, that bickers. Oh, to be healed, you know, oh, to take sin out of the world. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, have you, uh, you know, lived, have I lived in such a way of love toward people who have abused me, sometimes for my fault, sometimes not? And love has broken down the stubborn heart and they've been changed. So that in a way, walking with God in love has taken sin out of the world in that person's life. Do you understand what I'm saying? By that kind of death that you are dying a little, by that self-giving, you know, this is the way sin is removed, sin is removed, sin is removed. Praise the Lord, I've told you, maybe I haven't, about Peter, the man who was worshipping, uh, who was working the sugarcane plantations in Queensland many years ago. And this lady named Deck, her surname was Deck, Florence. Deck. She loved these islanders from the Solomons and 
she decided to teach them to read. And this fellow responded. She taught them through the Bible and, and they read with her. And Peter turned to the Lord and uh, he had a great burn, bur, burden to go back to Malaita. That's the island next to Guadalcanal. And she went back, he went back to Malaita and back to his home village to tell them about the Lord Jesus. Love carried him there. And they didn't want his God because they were animists and so on. And they were headhunters too. They were cannibals. And, uh, well, they tied him to a tree. And they said, if, uh, if God is true, we're going to tie you to this tree and you can't get away and we're not going to give you any food. And there's a stream running by. You can get a little drink of water, but we're not going to feed you. And if God is your God, <clears throat> he will look after you. And Peter lived there a year and he was under a tree that bears its fruit about once a year. And it bore fruit all through the year. And it's one of the most nutritious nuts that uh, God grows. So he lived. And, you know, Peter loved them. Peter lived there. Peter didn't complain. Peter ate the food. They saw God do this miracle and they opened their hearts. And Peter took away sin in that area in that village in that place they renounce because you know that's the way it works same in Sarawak um, Borneo you know they live in long houses there and one or two men who took the law they loved and they can can we see that you know it's not taking away likes in he bore but in in one way we're we're the we're the people we're the breakthrough people we're the word becoming flesh we're the word becoming flesh in husband wife families churches this is the call of the church and uh, behold how he loves us and peter loved them he thus those flesh eating groups in in the Solomons cease being cannibals. And uh, when we used to go there, there was very few elderly people, 70s and 80s, but I met one or two men way back, very old men, and they knew what human flesh tasted like. We're talking about things only 100 years, 120 years ago. Changed, changed. You were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, likewise. It's that word likewise. That's why I read all about the servants, because wives, likewise, like these servants, like I've been saying. Oh, likewise. Be submissive to your own husbands, 
that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be one. The breakthrough can come when they see the conduct of the wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Do you think that's only for men, for women? I'm sure it's for men. Oh, Lord, help us all to drink of your spirit. <laughs> help us to dwell together and see some fresh breakthrough in the midst of the darkness that is growing deeper. Lord, will you please show forth, break through in your churches. Don't let us copy the world with its chasing after, you know, the outward adornment. You know, I'm not suggesting for one minute that we should all be dressed up in sacks with a rope round the middle, but I'm certainly encouraging that we recognize everything in its place. The heart, Paul, Peter's back to the heart, very precious in the sight of God. Verse 5 For in this manner, in former times, the holy women trusted in God, also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, which is a staggering thing, isn't it? Whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid. Husbands, now he gets to it, likewise Dwell with them with understanding, giving honour to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That's where I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to being heirs together of the grace of life. The church is only working properly as the bride of Christ when male and female are related like this. If you're young and you're looking for a, a wife, and why shouldn't you look? He that finds a wife finds a good thing. You know, I'm sure you're, you know, find one <coughs> whose heart has God first. You know, heirs together, be a, become a household. Be not sort of attracted by the, by the external things. You know, it's inward, isn't it? It's inward. And I've got one last scripture to share with you because I mentioned Lady Wisdom. And I'm sorry I can't go, you know, into things some ways as deeply as I would like. But, you know, in the Proverbs book, I just want you to come with me into chapter 31. 
uh, of Proverbs in the Old Testament. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking of church as the bride of Christ, full of wisdom in her relationships with her husband, men and women dwelling together in love, heirs together of the grace of life, breaking through the word becoming flesh, such a contrast in family life and church life to the whore of Babylon, who's all outward and external. Am I, if I'm making sense, will someone wave their hand? Um, thank you. Because, you know, it helps me because I get no feedback. <laughs> uh, of course, it's impossible. But I really want to paint a wonderful picture for us all and say, so that we end up saying, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Please do it in me. Amen, I, brother. Sorry, what's that? Drink, Amen, brother. Amen. Drink of, I want to drink of your spirit. And I come into this lovely chapter 31 in proverbs you know you know that proverbs has been going on and on about you know truth wisdom shame falsehood he's been going on about the prostitute young man don't go down to the house of the prostitute don't you know you say well is it a, a literal prostitute almost certainly not he's talking about don't go down to these false philosophies don't go down and marry all this world's wisdom it's folly it's shame it's it's the truth of of God, the wisdom of God. Um, it's, and here, here you've got, who can find a virtuous wife? Verse 10 of Proverbs 31. For her worth is far above rubies. Now in the back of my mind as I'm reading this, you know where I am? I, I, I'm thinking of Jesus and his church. That's what I'm thinking of. Who can find a virtuous wife? <laughs> Jesus says, where can I find her? Thou dost seek a bride, all pure and holy. You know, that's what I'm thinking of. Her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband, I'm thinking of Jesus, safely trusts in her, so he will have no lack of gain. Isn't that tre tremendous? Oh, Lord Jesus, how are you going to gain more into your bride? How are you going to add more to your church? How... How are you going to do that oh, through my bride? His heart safely trusts in her so he will have no lack of gain. Amen. Amen. So she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. What a thing for the church to live up to, eh? 
to be lady wisdom to his wisdom. He's made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, redeemed families, redeemed man and woman. You say, well, my family's not redeemed. My husband doesn't love the Lord. Oh, but he loves you. Your Lord loves you. Let him work. Who can say what he will do? You're part of Christ's bride. He wants to trust in you. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool, verse 13, and flax, and willingly works with her hands. You know, I can stop on every phrase like this, you see. Uh, I was uh, <clears throat> saying to someone, or was I writing it, you know, we make ourselves, you are making yourself. You young ones, you are making yourselves. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I make myself a servant to all. We are making ourselves. We're making ourselves lazy. We're making ourselves diligent. We're making ourselves, you know, uh, weaving wool and flax, making a garment. You know, you ladies, you know, when I was, uh, when I was young, I used to do embroidery. My father came from an Italian background and, as some of you may not know that Italian men, some of them are embroiderers. And I used to sit with dad and I'd embroider. In fact, in our bedroom, I've got some framed embroideries that I did when I was in my teens. And uh, making something, and there it still is. We're making, we're making, we're making. And uh, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Amen. It's good, isn't it? She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household. You know, you pastors and leaders that may be listening, do you wake at night sometimes to bring food for the household, <laughs> for the <laughs> for the saints of God? Do you, uh, a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. Did you ever get up in the middle of the night and find that the Lord wasn't there? I never did. You know, her lamp does not go out at night. The Lord is ever a light to her soul. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. 
She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. Because she lives like this, because she's such a woman. Her husband is known in the gates. You see, this is, if the church was to begin to embrace these things by the Spirit and drink deeply and enter in and humble herself and be diligent and faithful and joyful like this lady, you know, her husband would get known in the gates. Jesus would get known in the gates. Am I making sense? When he sits among the elders of the land, he's, he's known. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honour are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. There it is. And on, on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but that you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works Praise her in the gates. <laughs> it's kind of prophetic, isn't it? It's all about, you know, I just see the church so different to Babylon. There's the parody. There's the perversion. And there's the true. There's husband Jesus. There's the beast, the beast. Am I making sense? I hope so. So I finish and we move on by God's grace next week into being his body, male and female together, you know, and the living Wonderful life of Jesus. Ah, it's almost as though Jesus says, I've got a wife that I can have children through my church. I've got a body that I can stretch out my hands through. I've got a mind. I've got loads of minds that my mind can be in their mind. I reckon we've got a distance to travel. Do you reckon? But we shall not travel this distance, brothers and sisters. We shall not travel it unless our faces are set and our hearts are hungry and thirsty for it. And if they are, we shall, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace that comes, we shall be this that I've faultingly um, tried to talk about tonight. So there you are, uh, Mr. Mark. Wonderful.
Back to you. Thank you. I was uh, I was just noticing that I've got some reactions that I can use on my Zoom. So maybe in future we'll try and give you some feedback whilst you're going along. We can give you a clap right. or a laugh or a <laughs> thumbs up or raise our hands. But uh, that was that was wonderful. That was a great blessing. In fact, it's. Uh, um, just wonderful to think of these things and to take time in these different scriptures and uh, I hope it stirs in all our hearts that longing to be those true men and true women and as God intended us to be together for his purposes so uh, I think we've got um, time it would be good if just uh, one or two would lead us uh, three or four maybe two or three just lead us in prayer and respond to the Lord, let's respond to the Lord, what he's spoken to our hearts uh, this evening. And uh, if you just unmute yourself and uh, you want to pray out, that would be wonderful. And then in, in a moment, I'll just close us off. So uh, just feel free. Mm. Amen. Mm. What a privilege. Mm. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord. Dear Lord. For the floodgates were opened 2,000 years ago. I, the Lord God, through my Son, I opened the floodgates and heaven was opened and the river of the water of life flowed from the throne, began to flow and flows still and flows still and continues to flow in the desert of the world in which you live. The river of the water of life flows and flows for you to drink, to partake of. Yes, waters to drink, to drink deeply. The river flows and from time to time the unbelief of men and women have acted like a dam preventing the flow they have built the dam and others have like little creatures have built of other materials that which has impeded the flow but in your hearts the Lord says to you the river flows for you the river flows by you the flow the river flows to you the river is ever near so tear down the dam that you have built tear down the unbelieving things that you have knit together the doubts and the fears 
Yes, the complaints and the self, the way that in yourself you have not believed. Tear it down. Tear it down. And the river of the water of the life of your God shall flow freely and refresh your heart and refresh your mind and even as you open to this living water of life this word so fresh and new it shall even cleanse your minds now as you receive it yes it shall Carry away debris, debris, it shall carry it away. The debris of years that have clogged and blocked and impeded. You have only had a dribble of water coming through or a little flow. You have been watered. You have been watered by my river and truth, but but a little. And there have been times where you have pumped up the water into your field. But if you will tear down the dam, if you will break the things of debris, you will find that the flow shall increase liberally, refreshing your mind, loosing your affections, convincing your conscience of truth, banishing it shall carry the, the weight of unbelief away, Doubts that you have allowed to be there, they shall be removed. For there is power in the river of the water of life. There is power, power to carry away. And you shall live. And where the water flows, there shall be Abundance, there shall be life, there shall be. Amen. Amen. Amen, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Oh, Lord. Oh, Father.